Welcome to the Crazy Heart of Art. My name is Francisca. Today, we're going to have an amazing conversation about homeschooling and creativity. Our guest is Yvonne Buckley. Welcome, Yvonne. Please tell us a little bit about you. Thank you, Francisca. I homeschool my daughter. She's 10 and a half, and I've been doing that since she was in first grade, and now she's in fifth grade. I do have a California teaching license and had a New York teaching license where I are certified yeah, license that I could teach pre-K through adults. And that has nothing to do with homeschooling, though. <laughs> so the creativity is where it comes in as we get to pick our schedule. We get to just pick the direction that we're going in. Learning is happening. It's just happening every single time, every single moment. We do have some structures in place and we do do some curriculum off and on. I mean, also a parent coach and um, a new podcaster. So my podcast is Born With A Voice and to empower everybody to find their voice again if they've lost their voice in anything or to just know where their voice is so that they can actually help other people on that journey. What had you start homeschooling? What made you go that direction? Yeah, so I worked in, in the Bronx in New York and then I worked in Palos Verdes and I taught first grade, third grade, fourth grade. And I did work with some beautiful, wonderful teachers, great principals, and just sometimes I would see the disconnect or difficulties that would occur in the classroom. And even just like the rights that are given up, like that children a lot of times cannot go to the bathroom when they want to go to the bathroom or need, and they can't eat when they're hungry. Those are just two basic things. And also, I just think that there wasn't enough time for true emotional intelligence to be honed in on or character development. And that was one of just super, super important for my daughter starting out in kindergarten that she would have play and just emotional connection and just have somebody supporting her in any kind of conflict or just being a kind person in life. So that was one of my biggest draws. I never looked at that homeschooling would be more about emotional intelligence and conscious intelligence. So do you think that when you homeschool, because you're creating an environment for your children that works for them and put more creativity and I'm assuming more art and joy into it, that that's what makes a difference. Like what kind of creativity would you put into a daily routine or what kind of advice would you give a parent that's looking to create exactly the environment that you're creating for your daughter? There's no exact environment. We're all experts of our own children, of our own families, of our own self. And everybody's creativity is different. The beautiful thing is if you structure it right, and not that I always do, there's times where I am desperate for time. But if you really structure your time well, you have way more time with your children than you would, and quality time, than you would if they're in school. There's a lot of rushing to go to school. And I don't have, we don't rush. So we have a lot of like, we have breakfast together and we can take our time with breakfast. And that's how I've set up her schedule that breakfast is really important. We make breakfast together. She helps set the table. So it's just even the responsibility. And I just do that as that's even creative in and of itself. Just even like that she has the time to even explore cooking. So we do a lot of baking and her dad is just an ins like an incredible baker. So she knows how to keep a flour, I mean, a sourdough starter alive with flour and she knows how to I don't even know what it's called when you like stretch out the dough and you do it every 30 minutes like she knows process like processes of things that 
I wouldn't have known at 10 years old, even like creative, she's dyslexic, she has dysgraphia, dyslexia, and dyscalculia. Numbers have been always really, really challenging for her. And she still reverses numbers. A way of doing that, I always make sure that something is fun, like a game, something that would be engaging. So real life experience. We play a lot of board games. We also, I would like, when, since she's been tiny, we do restaurants. So we would make a menu and she would like set the menu. We would go food shopping and she would actually look at the prices on the the item. She, I would even give her a budget of you have $25 today. See what you can make for dinner see what you can make for lunch. So she would just be like looking and then she would have to ask me, but now she's able to, I mean, I think it's pretty amazing that a child with dyscalculia can actually read numbers where somebody might tell you they're never going to be able to do something like that. And to me, my daughter from life experiences is able to do so much more than I feel like she would be able to. It's also a lot of one-on-one opportunities. And you also said like creativity. I mean, we have dance parties in the middle of the day. We can change it up if the mood goes sour or south, if something's too frustrating, then we can change. We can say, do you want to play a board game? Do you want to go for a bike ride? Do you want to have a dance party? Do you want to sing? We're living life, (laughs) but we just get to play with it, playing it. (laughs) I love this. So it's really about being obviously very creative, but very supportive of whatever the child needs. In terms of right. like so, when you're talking about dyslexia, you're not stuck like me as a child. I grew up in Europe and my teacher wrote on the board, on a huge board, continuously wrote on the board and then closed the boards and wiped them up. And if you were not fast enough, the same writing speed as a grown up, you would get only half your stuff to learn your notes afterwards which is really not productive in the in terms of learning. If you're a visual learner in a regular school system, you're pretty lost, generally speaking. What would a typical day look like? For example, if somebody is thinking about looking into homeschooling and creating a program like you are creating for your child, what would that basically look like? That's an interesting question. I was like, yes, I have plenty of difficult dates. I was like, that's kind of cool. Wouldn't have thought of that. A typical day. You know, honestly, we, I couldn't even tell you that we ever have a typical day. I would say we have typical seasons. Like we actually almost probably, I didn't even think about that. Go with the seasons, which is very Waldorf, which I, I explore so many different ways of learning. And Waldorf is one of like, I just love nature and woods. So I have to say like right now we're just in a different season. She's turning, she's going to turn 11 in May. So there's a lot of hormonal brain, different brain development. She's having a lot of emotions right now, just because of COVID, a lot of loss of her activities that she was really passionate about that just shut down. Loads of loss of friends moving. And so I've lost my community. She's lost her community. And so it's even restructuring and and redesigning our life again. Like, so even though it was two years, it's like, it's like we went to sleep almost for one year, even though I was doing the best I could and keeping my creativity and people would say, oh, you had a head start. You were already homeschooling. And I'm like, you're not homeschooling. We were homeschooling and our life blew up just as much as yours. (laughs) And so right now a typical day. So Annabelle has gotten into parkour. She is wanting to go back to swimming now that the pools are open again here. So I guess we 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 live right in the ocean, so we're really lucky about that. And Annabelle had wanted to go out for junior lifeguards right before COVID. Swimming completely stopped for her, and so she's back into practicing and in the pool. So we're to say a typical day. So I'll just tell you my typical right now. So she would 
because of her dyslexia and dysgraphia and dyscalculia, she has services. We're in a charter school. So here in California, they have charter schools that will give you funds and then you form a curriculum with the teacher and then you give in samples and you have meetings with them. And sometimes they have field trips, not so much during COVID and like they'll do different meetups, like, like writing sessions or something um, to just have fun with the children. So right now, every day, except for Wednesday and Friday. Oh yeah. Okay. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she has services where she has vision therapy. She has OT. She has reading support. She has math support. And, and then a lot like, so in and out, because she also needs some rest just based on being dyslexic and how much her brain is trying to process. We have to do more restful things. So sometimes we just lay down and listen to music or I'll read her stories. She loves, loves, loves chapter books. Her reading abilities are on ninth grade. I just moved to what works for her. If we need to move our body, like I said, we go on a bike ride, ocean. And then I have programs this year. I haven't been, hadn't really been using programs before. I was like very eclectic and pulling things based on her interests and doing project-based learning or self-directed learning. Sometimes she gets stuck. And I think that is dyslexia too, that it's hard for her to make decisions. Currently, I'm doing a program called Write, Start, Math. And oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the reading program. The reading program is amazing. Do you have any info or any um, advice for parents that are looking to go down that route? Where they can find their info, how to search in your particular place in the world or how you get started? I'm actually creating a website called Homeschool Redefined. So I plan on blogging and adding information there and resources just to help people. So I have helped a, a lot of people recently to get into homeschooling and calm their fears. One of the biggest things is people, they, they will say, I can't homeschool. I'm not a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, that's better not to be a teacher because you actually have this vision of how it's supposed to go if you're a teacher. And hopefully you have a way bigger, wider view if you're not a teacher. And not to say, obviously I was a teacher and I did get, I feel like sometimes I was more stuck because I was like, she has to read. She has to sit up. And so I've had to unwind myself and calm down and breathe. <laughs> One of the biggest things is really just find community. Go on Facebook. Look for communities in your in your area and to connect with. Because the biggest thing is to hear success or hear how what's working and even what's not working in from other parents in order to really just step into it. It really is a beautiful thing in the first year. I mean, I don't know anybody that didn't fall down and have to get themselves back up and cry. And it's a big undertaking. It's it's so unknown still. It's still very new. And people have a stigma of what it was like before. I've also had a stigma before I went into it. Oh my gosh, they are unsocialized children. They're so brainiac that they're like the spelling bee champs. Like and then, yeah, I mean, that can happen. And my experience are super social children that can be with the baby, can be with, you know, people three years younger, three years older. They have such great skills. And it's just really about building community for them, though, as well. Because one of the hardest things that I've had is really keeping a community. So then the consistency of public school would actually be a big draw of you're with the same people. So at least you have that strong connection on a regular basis. So there is something to be said about that. And I hear lots of people have great success with just the same community. So therefore they have that experience of connection really strongly with other little kiddos. 
So if people want to connect with you or find you, is there a good way to find you? Currently, I have an email. We will put the email in the bottom on the podcast so people know where to reach you. Thank you so much for your input, for your advice. I, I learned a whole different new aspect about homeschooling. Thank you for coming to our show, and I hope we can have lots more conversations in the future. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you so much for having me.